And we are actually going to work our way through the passage, reading it uh, section by section today. But I just want to remind you where, where we have been most recently in terms of the, the, the flow of this gospel that uh, we've been working our way through since uh, a year ago this, this Christmas. And uh, now we are literally in the last hours of Jesus' life. Um, he has entered into his third trial. The, the first trial was, uh, first and second one were, were before the religious leaders of the day, Annas and then Caiaphas, Annas, uh, a former high priest that they considered to still have authority of uh, a high priest, and then Caiaphas, the current high priest, and then uh, they uh, took him from there uh, to Pilate. And uh, that's where uh, we're picking up in terms of uh, uh, Jesus, who is walking toward the cross, his choice, his and his Father's plan for our redemption. And that's what we have before us. Um, we, uh, I'm going to start with uh, uh, verse um, 38, where really where we ended last week where Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? He asks that question. But then, ever so quickly, he turned on his heel, not waiting for the answer. Pilate said, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. And so he, he is basically pronouncing, I've examined him. You say he did something wrong. I don't see it. And uh, he really was the only one that had the authority to sentence him to death, to sentence Jesus to death. So uh, we pick up with verse 39 he says, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Let's bow together. Lord, once again, will you um, enable us to hear you, to hear your precious Holy Spirit who, who is our teacher, to hear the authority of your word, this record, this history that took place. But Lord, uh, we don't just want more information. We don't just need more information we need to know you better. And so, for that, 
we ask of you. Not because we deserve it, but in the name of the Lord Jesus, who deserves everything. Amen. So, what was this about? Uh, If you remember last week how uh, reluctant Pilate was to even to even take the case, basically. Uh, he, he realized he was on um, maybe in a, a no-win situation here, and, and he had had kind of a, a, a checkered, from Rome's perspective, a, a, a checkered success in terms of dealing with the Jews. And so he, he didn't need to get involved in this from his perspective. He tried to put it off, and then they said, look, we don't have the authority to sentence him to death. And then he saw their game, for them a game. We can't do that. Only you can. Okay, then I will meet with him. So he is trying, and we'll see all of his attempts, or at least many of them, he's trying to release Jesus. He doesn't want this to take place. Pronounces him innocent. And then either he remembers or one of his advisors said, look, they've got this custom, remember? We release one prisoner Uh, during uh, their high holiday, this could be the way out. And so he gave the crowd a choice, Jesus or Barabbas. Now, what do we know about Barabbas? Well, from, from this passage, we know he was a robber. But what we want to do as we, as we go through Jesus' last hours and the cross and so on is you, you always want to look at the different perspectives of the Gospels. Um, uh, John doesn't give every detail of everything uh, that took place, neither do either, any of the other three, but you put them all together, you get the fullest picture of what uh, took place. And so, if, if we look in Mark, if we look in Luke, we see, yeah, he, he, he was not only a robber, but he was an insurrectionist and a murderer. This guy, Barabbas, was public enemy number one. And so here um, we see this terrorist being offered, the scribes and chief priests had nothing but contempt for those from among their number, the uh, Jews who were also insurrectionists, trying to overthrow uh, the Roman government because they knew it was trouble for them. They didn't like guys like Barabbas. But they hated Jesus even more. Now, Pilate 
likely thought, well, if given the choice, they're going to pick Jesus. After all, last Sunday, Palm Sunday, last Sunday, they were worshiping him. They were proclaiming him king. They were all on his side. Surely, They'll pick him. We want to get rid of Barabbas anyway. I've given them the choice, and I'll be off the hook in this. Instead, the people chose Barabbas. You need to know this. When the crowd decides about Jesus the crowd, any crowd, it's going to crucify him. That's what will take place. And that was the case here. Don't let the crowd decide for you. Now, in, in a parallel passage to this, uh, over in Matthew 27, uh, verse 19, you don't need to turn to it, you're, you're welcome to, but uh, if you wanted to write it down, 27, 19, um, it says this, while he, this is Pilate, was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent a word to him. Now that's when you perk up, right? You're in the middle of something big, and you, you know somebody walks in and says, this is from your wife, Okay. So um, he did. He gets the message, and this is what she says. Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him in a dream. So here, God actually uh, is, is speaking to Pilate through his wife and affirming that which Pilate had already decided by examination that he's righteous, I, I don't need to be doing this, and so on, which, if anything, it, it, it further confirmed for him his innocence, but also further dug him into uh, the hole that he was digging for himself in terms of how to deal with it. So we see Pilate, trying a second time to release Jesus. Chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They uh, came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So Pilate had him flogged, had him uh, whipped, scourged, and uh, in, for the Romans, there were different levels of scourging, uh, of whipping. 
there was the, the one level which was, it was bad enough, uh, and, but it was, I guess we could say, the lightest level that you would give to somebody who did uh, a misdemeanor, for instance. And uh, most feel like that was the first scourging that he gave to Jesus. That was the one level. Then there was a more severe level. And then there was a third level that was preserved for those who were sentenced to death. That was a whole different whip that they used, one that would have pieces of metal and, and bone in it that would literally lay open the prisoner. They did that and, and they would uh, uh, scourge them to the point where literally they were half dead already uh, for the purpose of uh, speeding up the execution. And that would have been the second scourging that Jesus experienced. He brought him out after the first scourging and, and basically said, look, Look what we've done to him already. Isn't that enough? We've humiliated him, but it wasn't enough for the people. The, the soldiers, it says, formed a, a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head. Now, I brought this into the, the pulpit. Uh, this was... Uh, w one of the two souvenirs I got when we went to Israel. And if you've been in my study downstairs, it, it hangs on my wall as a reminder of what Jesus wore to the cross. And I, I look at it every day for that reason. It's in a prominent place. But you see, I'm, I'm able to hold it. I put it in my suitcase and of course that's the only kind they would be able to sell over there but commentators say that they don't know exactly what they might have made the crown of thorns from but they believe that it it might have been from a plant that had thorns as much as 12 inches long that was pressed down upon Jesus' head. And so he walked out with that. The soldier's way of mocking him, torturing him. We'll come back to that in a minute. But Pilate again says, I find no guilt in him. He brought him out and he stated, Behold the man. Now what Pilate had in mind, we can't ever know exactly what was in his mind. He might have been saying, look at his meekness. Look at him looking like a, a, a clown king. Look at how weak he is from just the beatings that we have done so far. But that statement has come to take on a, a, a much bigger 
meaning theologically. Behold the man, that's the one that was promised. Promised from all the way back in Genesis and all the way through the Old Testament. This is the one that was that was promised. And when they saw Jesus in front of them, what they were seeing in Jesus was ex- what God made man to be in the garden. He was innocent. He was sinless. He was perfect. And Pilate unwittingly points to Jesus as this man. And this Jesus, who was what God made man to be, was about to go to the cross to die for the sin of the first Adam. That's what we should see when we look at Jesus, the perfect one. And then Pilate tries again. 19, verse 6. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Uh, The the religious people seemed to be the ones to to stir up uh, the crowd to shout that. We don't know if others were were saying we we want Jesus, but uh, clearly the chief priests and, and officers were we're shouting that. And it just highlights the, the hypocrisy as they want to see Jesus crucified, Jesus the innocent one. They want to see him crucified for what Barabbas was actually guilty of. Jesus is innocent. They want him crucified. Barabbas is guilty. Everyone there knew it. And they want him to go free. J.C. Ryle said, uh, we like a robber and murderer and insurrectionist more than we like Jesus. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he's made himself the son of God. Verse 8, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Why did he get more afraid? Could it be that he, he knew that this prisoner was unlike any prisoner he had ever dealt with? What if he really is God? He had a right to be afraid. He might have thought, if he is the Son of God, I'm in real trouble. So he seems to try to buy a little bit more time. Verse 9, he entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you'll not speak to me? Do you know, do you not know? that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have 
no authority over me at all unless it's been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. See what he's saying? Oh, Pilate, you poor little guy. You don't get it, do you? Yes, you have authority. But the only reason you have authority is that God has given you that authority. This is a plan that was put into effect before the foundation of the world. You've been given a role in the history of redemption, and you're playing out that role. Jesus was in control. Pilate, you're, you're like clay in my father's hands. Don't you get it? And then Pilate gives in. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. Seems like he'd been seeking to release him, but here it is again. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard, heard these words, he brought Jesus out, sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the uh, stone pavement, and in Aramaic, uh, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. That'd be around noon. He said to the Jews, behold your king. So it goes from behold the man to behold your king. Look at this. This is your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Isn't that amazing? The chief priest, how loyal he was to Rome at this point. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Now as we approach the Lord's table... I want to give you four things to focus on from this passage. The first thing is, who will you listen to? Pilate listened to two voices. He listened to his, his conscience that said, He's innocent. He hadn't done anything wrong. And he would have been right had he followed his conscience. And he listened to the crowd that said, we don't really care. Crucify him. And then he followed the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. And if you have been following the crowd... Step away. 
and follow him. Secondly, I want you to to focus on the fact that Jesus is still absolutely in control. We have, and we're going to continue to say this every week through the crucifixion. Because we need to be reminded, it, it could look like things spun out of control. But not even for a moment. He says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. He was totally calm. He was totally at peace in the middle of a raucous, unjust situation where people were shouting for his death. Why was he at peace? It was because he was doing what his father wanted him to do. And he knew not one thing would happen to him that was not a part of his father's plan. And his father's plan was perfect. Perfect. And we are still living out the father's plan. And he is still in control. Whatever you face this week. He is still in control. Jesus knew his will would be done, and we must know that as well. And then thirdly, back to the the crown of thorns. We've talked about how vicious those, those thorns were, but let's think biblical theology here for a moment. Go all the way back to Genesis. You have sin coming into the world, which is why Jesus ultimately had to come. Sin comes into the world. A curse is pronounced upon this world and everything in it. A part of that curse says this in Genesis 3.17. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. What Jesus did on the cross was he reversed the curse in every way. Here the very very thorns that represented the curse were worn by Jesus to the cross where the curse was overcome. So when we see the crown of thorns, rejoice. There will be a time where these will never hurt again. And then finally, we need to understand the substitution. Barabbas was the first sinner that Jesus died in the place of. It was a physical thing. We don't know whether Barabbas is now in heaven or not. But we saw a picture of what Jesus came to do. 
Isaiah 53 says this, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. That is what in theology we call the substitutionary atonement. We have sin on us. Jesus has no sin. And if we trust in him alone, our sin is put on him on the cross. And there's another way. Substitution. His righteousness is put on us. Amazing. And so, I want you to think about what we have in common, even with Barabbas. We were or are in rebellion. The essence of sin is rebellion against God. We can't save ourselves. Barabbas couldn't save himself. We deserve to die. We've even been sentenced to death, for the wages of sin is death. And then Jesus dies in our place. Barabbas is a picture for us. After this, he went free as if he had never broken the law. And and that's us. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If we are trusting in Christ alone for our salvation, then because of what he did, what he finished on the cross, we are as free as if we had never sinned. And that's what we celebrate here. Let's pray together. Lord, we cannot begin to comprehend this in our finite minds. But help us to believe it. And to trust you that that is the case. And Lord, now as we go to this table, will you cause it to be in celebration of the finished work of Jesus on the cross? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen.